got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been getting all the work. And I've been shutting down the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Welcome back to Put That Coffee Down, hey? Hey, not much. A a, a brand new action-packed episode coming for you uh, over the next hour. And if you're watching the the opening, we have a brand new uh, video. I hope you guys like it. The world premiere of (laughs) Put That Coffee Down intro. Yeah, this is, uh, what is this, number four? Number four. So if you guys want to go back in order, you guys, after this one, you want to subscribe to it on your favorite podcast player or subscribe to Freightcast or watch it on the Freightways TV app. The first one was on the leads are week, right? The leads are week. Filling the, freight, gen- filling the freight sales funnel was the next one. <laughs> and then uh, what was the third one? Psychology of the cold call. Cool. And then today is sales culture. Yeah. Phone lines are open. 423-710-9777. Plus, comment section is open, too. We're monitoring them on uh, all the different feeds we've got here. So thank you guys for joining us live on the show as we, uh, as we are wont to do. Well, let's introduce ourselves. My name's Kevin Hill, yes. and I'm the director of research here at Freight Waves. I am Dooner. I am a 15-year supply chain veteran. I've done uh, sales. I've done marketing. I've done operations. I've done media. I've done it all. You have. I was a former freight broker in a, a previous life. Yes. That's how I got into freight, and uh, and then started my own company, mm-hmm. uh, doing research on carriers, and here I am hosting Put that coffee down. Put that coffee down. You also do a great quarter, guys. You do a great oh, job do, on yes. that one. Yeah. All right. Let's do here. We always start with a quote as we're wont to do. This one is success is a menace. It fools smart people into thinking they can't lose. That is from Bill Gates and Pirates of Silicon Valley from 1999. Didn't even have to use the sensor. I know. The first the, the first <laughs> quote, we didn't have to use the sensor button. Yeah. So how do you feel about that one? What do you think happens? Is success a menace? Can it change the culture? Is a culture of winning going to be a bad thing? If you win, a culture of winning isn't a bad thing, but a, a, a culture of, of thinking you're invincible is definitely a bad thing. You see that with, with all companies that grow to a certain size. They think that no one can come and topple them down because they're too big. Yeah. Uh, but history shows over and over and over again, whether it's a company or a nation or, or anything, is that uh, sometimes you. The bigger you are, the more weaknesses you actually have that can be exposed. Now, we've talked a bit about routine and, and building. Uh, I think in every episode we've touched on routine. And sales is hard, right? We'll completely admit sales is hard. It's not easy. And I think that how success can be a menace is that if you get out of that routine, right? If you get mm-hmm. out of that, anything that's difficult, you need a routine. Like the gym, you got to keep going to that gym. You got to have that muscle memory. You got to keep pushing forward. And if you rest on your laurels and you, and you, lose, that, you lose that drive, it can be a problem. But the drive is the key, right? And then that kind of goes back to, or that does go back to, you know, the, the bigger you are, the more sex you have. That chip on your shoulder gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's basically your fuel, your, your fuel, your drive, uh, you know, basically your, 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 your focus yeah. is all that. So you lose that chip on your shoulder. The, the bigger that chip on your shoulder, the more drive you have. And, and basically, the, the more you want it. So you have a lot of drive. What is the chip on your shoulder, Kevin? Oh, I have plenty of chips on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, they just stack up, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I, I like the, the, the game of it all. I, I, like, I, I like going out and seeing what I can do. I like making sales. I, I like launching podcasts and yeah. new, new products, new research. And it's just to, to see if I can do it. It's all kind of an internal, you know, basically I compete against myself, see what I can do. You know what drives me? What drives you? I, I've been fired from a couple of sales jobs. That's driven me to prove some people wrong. I was laughed yeah. at when I wanted to start getting into podcasting and transition from sales. I've been yeah. laughed at by a lot of things. And look at me now, mom. No, my mom I didn't know. laugh at me, but some people did. And you know what? That kind of thing is what keeps compelling you to push forward. And now it's just, now what compels me is just trying to, to build what we're doing and always making it, it better. I mean, that's why we don't just do what the truck? Why we keep expanding and building more just in a microcosm of podcasts. Jamin says complacency is evil. Tyler Miller says great series. Tune in live weekly. He just transitioned from brokerage to sales. And this has been an invaluable tool. Thank you. He said director of business development at Trekker. And um, Jamin again says success. Success. Sometimes bigger is the 
wow, I completely make a lot of sense. Sometimes <laughs> as more success or bigger danger is to go from point of playing to win versus playing not to lose. Decent it is. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Offense is, uh, or defense. Well, no, I guess, I guess offense is, uh, a it's good defense in, in sales. Yeah. So sales, I, I think the actual saying is the other way around. Sales culture, funnel clarity defined it as this. And I thought it was a pretty good definition. Sales culture is the attitude and behaviors your sales team exemplifies at a particular time and place. Sales cultures are usually only questioned when sales are slow or appointments are down. However, there are three qualities that can be found in almost every positive sales culture, and those were being proactive, recognition, and an eye on the big picture. How do you feel about that? I think that's exactly right. You, When times are good, there's a lot of things that you can sweep under the rug that yeah. are maybe toxic. But but sales are good. It could be some outside force and maybe not uh, the, the inside people and, and culture and processes you have in place. But uh, as I, I think um, what Warren Buffett says that, you know, uh, when the tide goes out, you see, you know, everyone who's swimming naked. Yeah. It's kind of a paraphrase of that. But, but <laughs> you, you see all the bad, you know, um, when, when sales are down. And basically, if you don't have that, that, that great culture, great process great vision, great focus, great goal for everyone to attain, and it's all everyone for themselves, uh, you're going to see a bad culture. Now, before we move on from this point, it brings up a, a point of culture and a culture of winning and success as a menace and how sometimes that can be bad. You can sometimes have the menace on the sales team, a guy who's very, very successful, but is repugnant in many other ways, right? Yes. They could either be morally repugnant or sales repugnant and bring a lot of toxicity into a sales team there are a lot of sales managers, a lot of organizations who won't penalize that person, right? That they won't. And it reminds me of a book I read in grad school called the No, which one's the beeper? The, the oh, no. This one right here. Asshole rule. <laughs> okay. Right? No asshole rule. All right. We got to hit the. You well, actually I, I, beat I, I, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a famous book. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's the title of a book. And basically, it is, um, it's about that, that toxic culture where you might have a high performer. That is actually, uh, you know, the overall team has a negative, he has a negative or her has a negative effect on the overall team. And you shouldn't put up with, with that, 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 those people. But how many managers do you think are willing and should, should about 1% are willing to get rid of that guy? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Very few yeah. are right. And yeah. it's, it's, they might not, I think what they sometimes do and a lot do, and I don't know if you can necessarily fault them is they stop including him in meetings and stuff. And that like guy just, he kind of almost runs independently. He does. He he runs independently, and anyone who uh, crosses paths with him is probably going to 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 leave that that situation worse off. Now, in the social media era, though, right? Mm -hmm. That particular person could cause a lot of problems, especially if that that culture is, like we mentioned, morally mm -hmm. repugnant. If if there was a lot of sexism going on, or even uh, even even adultery. You know, it's sort of funny. Like social media, in a lot of ways, has almost made us have to go back into those those sort of puritanical ways as we represent our businesses and wear our business cards in a situation like sales. Yeah, you know, in the news business, you see it all the time. You know, breaking stories come out of social media. You know, the, the, so, so basically airing out dirty laundry used yeah. to be, you know, one person would tell another person and gossip would, would spread uh, quickly in the old days, but now it's like lightning. I mean, it just goes out. One post about things can really... Uh, highlight uh, a toxic culture or, or, or a good culture as well. So you said these qualities are good. So pr let's start with proactive. Proactive being a strong one. I think we've all been in sales organizations where there's a rep, they're lagging in sales, but they're not called on it until their numbers are pulled. So I think part of being proactive, right, is recognizing when someone is struggling. And actually, when we go to our survey, we'll look at, we'll look at the shifting perspectives on what people thought about know, right? what they were getting in terms of coaching. And I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> we'll dive into that It is that interesting. So what, do you, what does proactive being mean to you, and how does that make for a good culture? So, so basically, it is, um, you know, certainly not resting on your laurels, but it's being, I guess, proactive, right? It's about, you know, being fanatical about prospecting, about presenting, about uh, your pipeline. Mm -hmm. It's about being fanatical about helping all your, your entire team, your entire company, uh, get to their one goal. I mean, that's really about, about being proactive. And what do I have? I have something here. 
Oh, this is, this is a good example of being proactive. You know, yes. if, if you talk to somebody, you have a good conversation. That's the monitor. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I, I, I know. So, so basically, you have a good conversation or you get a new customer. Anything positive happens. Even sometimes someone hangs up on you. You, you Someone ghosts you. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the, the, the non-proactive person is just going to complain about it give excuse why he couldn't, you know, close this deal or get this person on the phone. But the proactive person is going to pick up and, and send a handwritten note. You know what that does, I used too? to do this all the time. That gives people recognition. It right? does. It recognizes them as a valued customer or potential customer. Just like a lot of us, when we're doing sales, we want recognition. We want that mm-hmm. ambition wall to go off or we yes. want... We want that quota to be hit and we get mm-hmm. that sales incentive or we just want the manager to parade us in front of everybody in the lunchroom and say, oh, what a great I job. Joey's. We've all been there. We There's all have an egos. ego involved. Yeah, exactly. we all have egos. And I tell you what, if you send this, if you send a handwritten note to a customer and they don't like it, you don't want them as a customer. Now, how do you? I, I don't know of anyone who does not like a handwritten note. How do you? Well, do you like a sales guy in an organization who doesn't know where the, where the note cards are? I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Yeah, everyone should know where the note cards are. Everyone should be, you, you should have a, a stamp bill. You should have rolls of stamps. Yeah. And those rolls of stamps should be used. And you should monitor that if you're a sales manager. It's it's sort of like how we talk about social media. Social media is the the cheapest and quickest thank you card you can give somebody. Now, it if, is. If you don't have a stamp, you don't. You, you can't get to the post office. One thing that I, I bet a lot of reps in in every building that we're talking about right now, they will communicate with someone and then they won't go on their LinkedIn and make a connection with them. Why aren't you doing that? It's the easiest thing you can possibly it do. It is the easiest thing to do. So so why not do that? Why not send a note? Why not do whatever you can do to get attention from that person? Because basically your future depends on it. Doug Berryman says, I've been in the industry for over 35 years, but the younger newbies and sales managers don't seem to take value in experience. Now, I don't necessarily know if that's a, a generational thing. I think that maybe sending a card's a little bit more, and I, but that might have to do with just the fact that using mail is, it's almost like watching network TV. It's, it's just something younger people don't tend to do. True, you know, I mean, basically, I mailed out the, the two books that, that our contest winners have won over the last couple of weeks. Who, who won it this week? It was uh, Greg, right? Yeah. Greg Robertson? Um, oh, so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, how to make your point in 30 seconds. Greg, or, or sorry, less. it's Greg Roberts. Roberts, sorry. Yes, Greg, Greg Roberts. Roberts. He is the director of business development at Matson Matson. Logistics. Yeah, so so basically I had to walk. Congratulations, to, by the way. Yes, yes. Yeah. Round of applause. I had to walk 10 blocks to the post office and go in the post Barefoot office. Barefoot? Uh, uh, <laughs> it was raining. It's it Chattanooga. It was raining. It never stops. So, so I had to walk 10 blocks and uh, get an envelope and put the books in there. So it, it does take effort. Yeah. But it's well worth it. And it gives people that recognition. It Not does. that they just want as a rep, but your customers want as well. Yeah. The other thing there was big pictures. That's the third one. What, what does big picture selling mean to you? Is that, is that trying to get out of that transactional sale? And yeah. I've been, I was in an organization where they would go, you need to sell the big accounts, right? Mm-hmm. But all the big accounts in the freight that I was selling, they worked on a contract cycle. So a lot of you guys actually right now are probably gearing up for contract season contract. Especially if you sell ocean freight, that's all those negotiations start now. Mm-hmm. They go through about April and then they're done by May. And then if you don't catch the big freight fish there, you are kind of stuck in those transactional relationships for a while. You are, and, and basically the, the best time to, to go get the big fish uh, is to to start trying to, to, to put the, the lines out into the water at May yeah, for, for the next year, because it's going to take that, that long to get a relationship built to get in on those bids. So I think the big picture is, is as you said, transactional. You don't have to close everybody today. Yeah. Once that pressure is off, when, once you have a big enough pipeline and a big enough network to where you're not desperate that you have to have that close today, then you can look at the big picture. You can add more value to what you're selling, take the time constraints off of it a bit, and basically then you're, you're closing bigger deals. You know, so Christopher Corcoran, he says, would email notes be just as ef- efficient as handwritten notes? And I would say, no, hell no, not at all. Because what happens here, especially now, most people are opening their email on an iPhone, right? And look, I got 194 unread emails. And that's only because <laughs> I hit select all and mark is read. Because what happens is, and what most people do, is I open up and I look at this blue dot. And all I do is I can see it here, right? And if it's just like 
someone saying, oh, great, I'm not even going to read any further. But if you engage me maybe on LinkedIn and maybe one of the nicest things you can do is leave a comment on something we've wrote or share something and then be like, look, I saw value in that. Mm -hmm. That's probably going to impact me a lot more than getting one more freaking email. But again, I go back. Why not do it all? Yeah. Uh, you know, send an, e- well, send you- an email, no. connect. Because then you're annoying me after a while. You're saying, in one well, day, I'll be like, he's a stalker. Well, well, but you're not going to send the mail in one day. Okay. Right? You're going you're gonna to stagger it over time. Stagger it over time, yeah. It's yeah. an easy way to, to space out follow-ups. See, Everyone I- hates follow-ups, but if you stagger those three or four contacts over, say, a week period. Yeah. I'm just saying, not? like, I like, like, if I'm on a mailing list, like, when you send me your, your mailings and you put me on that mailing list, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, oh, I know what this is and I can open mm-hmm. it if I want to. But if I have like a human being emailing me and it's unsolicited, it it, it well, just annoys me. It gets under my skin. Was that about that or a thank you email from like if, if it you was do, just email notes? If you have a discovery call, you know, what's the follow up? Um, what's, what's the follow up for a, a a discovery call? Right? Yeah, should definitely connect on LinkedIn. Well, you usually want to leave. So this, this, and we could talk about this on email strategy, but you want, yeah. you always want to leave, like leave the, it's like the girl leaving the earring at mm-hmm. your apartment. You always want to leave something that, a reason you have to come back to them. Of, of course. Yeah, I, have to, I have to get back to you. Why, like, why do you have to get back to me? Because I got to get some information. I want an excuse to have that second yeah. correspondence because otherwise it could just end right here. And you know what I usually do? And I, I do this on LinkedIn quite a bit. Every time I respond to anybody, I usually uh, leave a, an open-ended question. Yes. To, to, to give them a, a little bit of incentive to respond, and you continue the conversation. Now, here's some words, uh, and let me know if any of these are not positive towards you on culture, right? So competitive, fine, right? Yeah. In, intense, independent. Can, can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Yeah, I think all three could be a, a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, merit-based, constant change. Again, can be a bad thing if something's constant change. It can, yes. And there's certain people that really, they, they really want to, they need a foundation to build off yeah. of. They have to know who what their product is. Who moved my cheese? Those yeah. There's people who, who literally. Then there's other like people that. though. Like I would say if you like change, though, sales is a good place for it. If you don't like constant change, being the broker, being on the other side of it, doing the operations, because <laughs> in operational constant change sucks. Yeah. Well, but also, I mean. Yes. Don't be a broker if you like constant change. I'll say that. I uh, talked to Zach Strickland here about that, but I've been through it too. Long hours. That that can be a negative. Well, that too, can be right? a negative. All, all these are abstract. Yeah. They, they can be either or, and it really, that's where the culture comes in. You know, exactly. The culture makes it positive, or the culture makes it negative on on all these terms. Go ahead, start. Supportive, transparent, democratic, social. Focus on trainings. Work hard. Play hard. And I think work hard, play hard is one of those things that Jamin wanted uh, stricken from the register that people are no longer allowed to say. It's that corporate speak like synergy that it just drives people nuts. Talk about getting under people's skin. Work hard, play hard could definitely be one of those. Yes, we we won't run that up the flagpole. No. You know, we put this question out. And one thing we do is we put these questions out to our people. We do a survey, but we also get a lot of people's responses. Because this show isn't just about us. It's about what you guys think makes for a great sales culture. You all work in different environments. And different environments Mm -hmm. can work for people in different ways. So here are a few of the ones that we really liked. Some of the feedback. One of them was Jonathan Ensign. He's the vice president of sales at Cargo Barn. He says he feels like culture has shifted from a collective mindset. The team company wants to achieve and strives for Ping pong tables, happy hours, those kind of things. He would not consider that culture, right? Great uh, things, but not considered culture. Yeah, they're, they're not culture. They are uh, activities. Tools. Tools. You know what? Uh, and I'm going to save that one because I feel like I have a slightly different opinion than our guest when he comes in, and I'm going to okay. argue with him on it. So oh, we'll good. wait until he comes in on the ping pong tables. Um, Denise, she's also from Cargo Barn. I love Cargo Barn High out yes, there. Thank Cargo you. Barn. They've messaged us. They'll be they'll be in the shoutouts, but they've reached out that they really enjoy the show. We appreciate you guys. She said, in her opinion, she believes the key to making a good sales culture is transparency and passion. I agree 100%. But how do you manufacture passion? You can't manufacture it, can you? You can't distill it. If you could, we all would. Well, it, it, culture will enable passion or it will quell passion. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it'll it'll light light the flame or it'll put it out very quickly, depending on your culture. So basically, transparency is good. Well, Holly Qualman, she's sales marketing operations disruptor. She says a healthy reward structure, team selling, strong training program. A sales team should be hungry, but not starved, able to see rewards for their successes on a short timeline, educating their product while having um 
while having the support at their fingertips. Now, what do you think about this? Should there always be the carrot there? There should always be a carrot. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about it just uh, just a few minutes ago. Everyone loves recognition. Everyone loves that that, that team and support, or, except for the the assholes of the world, right? Yes. Um. So, you know, it's 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 really good. But how many companies can actually execute and pull that off? I think that's the key question because it's not easy to do. John. A coach, he says, trust has to be the bedrock of culture. Once it erodes, the house slowly begins to crumble. He brings up a really interesting point. He's a recruiter. And I think that when he talks about that trust and that bedrock of culture, a lot of that trust comes on both sides. It comes from the rep, especially if you have outside reps, knowing that they're not gaming the sales force, knowing that they're not trying to just get through the month with and saying, you know, and, and saying, oh, this big account is right down the road because eventually it's going to catch up to you. You are your number as much as we hate to say it. Part of culture is you you have that your sales. You're a baseball player and you got a baseball card in the back. And eventually, if you strike out enough times, it's going to catch up to you. But I think trust also comes from the management side and from the leadership side. Right. So if you have a manager who you feel is not supporting you to the higher ups or whomever is constantly putting your job at risk. And especially when you're working hard, mm-hmm. that can erode a lot of trust too. It can. It, it, it can definitely do. You, you know, basically, you you want you want your salespeople to be independent, but if they're gaming the system on you, then you can't. And then you, where, where do you go from there? Micromanagement. A lot of people will do that. You know, if you don't trust people, you're going to micromanage them. Jim Campbell says a ping pong table equals soft culture. A strong sales culture equals hard culture. Both are important. So yes. I think knowing some of the, yeah, the yeah. rewards of the sales and a good environment to go into mm-hmm. and you can bond in ways other than sharing or stealing each other's leads. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You don't want to uh, to be in a culture where people are stealing each other's leads well, and that, accounts. But I, I've seen that happen and it's, it's never good. Well, a lot of sales places are very divided, either on territory lines or lead lines. And sometimes that can be good. Other times it can create a lot of conflict between people fighting over accounts, fighting within the CRM over accounts. Culturally, how do you handle that kind of things? Great. You, you want a very competitive sales force, right? But at the same time, you don't want someone sitting on the good leads who can't sell them. And sometimes territory boundaries have to be crossed because you have to re-divvy out leads. And, you know, sometimes if someone takes your lead, it's better than them, like, firing you and kicking you out the door, Right. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. So, yeah. Well, what do you think is a what do you think of a competitive sales culture like that? Have you been in one where there's almost because it can go both ways? Sometimes there's some, people sit here they like a sales culture that can collaborate, right? Mm-hmm. But in some cultures, you, you can't. People are afraid of people taking the leads or people people jumping in on on a sale. I, I know. So, so you have to to come up with maybe a compensations structure that 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 reflects that which is not an easy thing to do and i think that's the reason why a lot of companies struggle with culture and and and, and with culture you know i mean basically to 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 thread that needle is is very difficult do you think brian asher vice president at cat global answers this well he says even though sales is about making money for yourself and being competitive he's always pushed for a team environment where everyone can learn from listening listening to each other and sharing the good and the bad for all to learn and grow from coaching and training, positive motivational environment, reward recognition, transparent and open communication, driving competition. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. That's John D. Rockefeller. He's quoting there. That's uh, the quintessential good culture. All of those things, uh, check mark, check mark, check mark. Yeah, but we, you've been in the meetings, right, where in, in a company where open forums, say whatever you want, it'll, you know, it'll be a great comment on your last day because yeah. that, could, that could either be your last day or it's not really that type of collaborative environment. What do you feel about that? You know, I mean, basically, if you're going to be in a collaborative environment, you have to, to own it and take the risk of, of hearing criticisms hearing things, being open-minded. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's a real risk. And as much as everyone talks about having that environment and, and that, that kind of corporate culture, uh, not a lot of people want to take the risk of going against the grain. Also, don't be the guy in the meeting who just wants to talk to hear himself talk. Like, sometimes the best the, the best asset you can be to a meeting is to shut your pie hole it's not the worst. It's like that kid in class where, you know, the bell, the bell rings 
And the teacher goes, all right, you're free to go if it, unless anyone has any questions. And then you always have that kid who asks the question he knows the answer to. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You always hear you anywhere in life, work, personal, family, certainly family, right? You're going to have people who just like to talk to hear themselves talk. Yeah. And you just have to filter them out. If you like to talk so we can hear you talk, dial us up at, uh, what is that, 423? Give them the number, 423 423- Seven one zero nine seven seven seven. Nice. All right, let's invite our guest in now. It's Nathan Frazier from Tranco. Let's send him on our way. He's coming on in. Let's coming give him. Let's. Fifteen seconds. Guidance is internal. Twelve, eleven, <laughs> ten, nine. Ignition <laughs> sequence starts. Six. He was five, so enthralled with four, the show going three, on on TV. He. Uh, he didn't want to leave his position, Zero. his beachhead. All Here he comes, running. though. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Boom. To the moon, Alice. Introduce yourself, sir. How are you? How are you, everybody? Oh, hold on. Let me unmute you. There we yeah. go. Hey, there we are. One more time. Uh, Nathan Frazier, director at Tranco Logistics, uh, full-service trucking provider for every single thing in trucking that's available. How long you been doing sales for? Uh, been in sales for about a little over 10 years. Wow. Um freight sales about half uh was in the fuel business before i moved into strictly um domestic freight and, and you oversee the the domestic freight brokerage correct division there at trinco correct we have multiple divisions there about 400 employees overall mm-hmm. um and um currently overseeing the uh domestic brokerage all right sir. okay let's uh you have 30 seconds let's hear your elevator pitch you're coming into a new client you just walked in this is uh I don't know. What, what do we run? What kind of company are we? Uh, manufacturer. Or, or, um, textile. Okay. We're a oh, textile a company. We make, we make shirts. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Nate. Or, hello, sir. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nathan Frazier. Uh, I'm with Tranco uh, Logistics. We're a full service trucking provider. Uh, anything you need, we have. We have two and a half million square feet in Chattanooga of refrigerated and dry warehouse space. We have over 400 rolling units that can move your property anywhere you need. We have a domestic brokerage who can move anything in the United States that you can potentially put on a truck. And we have an international and global department um, that can move anything across the world. All right. Yeah, we, right we, at 30 we seconds. The ground. Yes. <laughs> right there. There now, you go. All right. I'll give you a little congrats. A little, too a, lot much, a little too much everything, though. A little too much good at everything. Because that, that would make yep. me, if I, like once you leave, I would say to Kevin, how could he be good at it? I mean, he's a handsome man, but how could he be good at everything? <laughs> I know, right? I, We're, you know, one thing we focus on is not being good at everything. Yes. But being there to fix a problem that a customer has. Mm-hmm. And in sales, uh, you know, in the brokerage side, in any freight department. Oh, hold on a second. We oh, have, I we think have we call? have a call, and I believe it is, uh, hold on, let me make sure this is connected to the board properly. How do we get this? Zoom, uh, open ID. Bear with me. Speaker. Good. Do I want on speaker? No. How do I? Who, what controls the audio on this? Hold on. I'm just trying to get you. I would. You would think it would be speaker. We're just trying to get him connected to the board here. Because it's up. You're on Bluetooth. Hmm. Hi. See, we have him on speaker. We don't want you on speaker, though. We want to connect your audio to Are the board. Are you not connected to the board? I, I should be connected to the board. Jamin, bear with me. Bear with me, sir. Um... Hold on, call back. I'll figure out how to get this connected <laughs> to the board. All right, I, I, sorry about that, guys. There's right. got to be. How do I get this connected to the board? All right, you two I don't talk know. for a so, so, Nathan, yes, sir. Tell us about culture. Culture to me is, um, unfortunately, I was listening earlier. I think we're going to have an argument about the ping pong table. Um, yeah. The ping pong table to uh, me well, is well, not culture. Ping well, pong. Let's skip over the ping pong culture until he gets he gets done. We'll let him figure yeah, out the yeah, phone yeah, first. Yeah. All right. We are now back connected to the board. So, Jamin, if you want to dial back in, feel free to do so, sir. We'd love to hear from you. Culture, Sorry about that. The best way I, I look at culture in our business is we're a bunch of fraternities, mm-hmm. and you're the freshman in college. There's positives and negatives about every single one. What fits your, what fits your profile? And that's in the recruiting aspect. When it comes to the sales aspect, are the, are the people engaged? Do they know what's going on? Do they know, hey, Here's where we need to be to be profitable. Do they know the difference between revenue and profit? Mm-hmm. Do they know what our goals are as a company? Do we have people over shoulders looking? Are, 
squeezing fists. Are, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you doing this? Or are we hiring the correct people and trusting them to do it the right way? To me, that's culture. So Chris needs, okay. he says, don't worry about being good at everything. Worry about being good at what the customer wants. That's pretty exactly. good advice. And that's what, that's what I was going to focus on a second ago, uh, before the phone debacle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we all sell the same thing. A customer won't listen to us unless they have a problem and they think we can fix that problem. That that's our goal as a salesperson is to fix the problem that the customer mm-hmm. has. Zoom audio. Uh-huh. Oh, there, hey, there, there, there we go. I see. Hello. And thank you for calling. Put that coffee down. This is Dooner. What's up? See? Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, you got to go. the board. Now you are connected nice. to the board. Here we go. Finally. Here we go. Hello. 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 This is Jamin. Yeah, it's Jamin. What's how, up, dude? How you guys doing? We're doing great. Good. Hey, I'm love, loving the topic. Uh, and I just wanted to share real quick. You guys are so good about uh, always shouting out different books and things uh, on the topic you're discussing. And I'm super passionate about a documentary that really changed how I think about culture. And it's uh, the Pixar story. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Bob Iger, he just yeah, went down from so Disney, I, I, too. I, he did, yeah. Wild, huh? Yeah, what, but, what's the, uh, um, what, what's the main really, theme? The, the, the main thing that you latched so, onto? Yeah, really the point about culture, we're all familiar with uh, Pixar as a company, and it's just so powerful how they've disrupted uh, an industry, and now the way things are done is how they invented, basically. But they created a culture where they had a bunch of people that were fanatical, about working towards a common vision. And then they created a safe place where it didn't have to be a bunch of clones. You got to bring your own uh, personal flavor, um, all working towards that same vision, though. And there was that, uh, you guys talked about trust and transparency. There's been some, some good comments on that. And so that, that culture they created, um, there's a part where they get into, they all felt comfortable on, I think it was once a week, they'd all get together as an entire company and basically just ripped to shreds each other's work. But they were all so trusting that it was to the point of really just crushing it and coming from such a a good place that no one uh, took that personal. And that's such an intimate thing to do. And and if you can get to that level of trust and transparency, you can really uh, do some amazing things, I believe. So. Yeah, I've seen people do that at couples therapy. I've seen people do that at couples therapy. And then it seems great in the office, but then on the ride home, someone ends up on the highway, you know, on the the actual road, you know, getting pushed pushed out the passenger seat. I actually heard something yesterday from one of our owners that was really strong at Tranco. And um, Byron talked about getting in a room with everyone, having a whiteboard, and no matter what anybody has as the idea, you write it up. You put it on the board. If it's a good idea, if it's a bad idea, you write it up. Everything goes on the board, and then you come back the next day, not the same day, come back the next day, and everybody sit down, and then you discuss each topic. That's a good idea. You usually have to sleep on it. Absolutely. You know, right? Yeah. What, what sounds good at the time yeah. and what sounds bad at the time, you know, snap decisions, you can't really, you have to go home, sleep on it, come back with a fresh mind to really get a, a a true perspective on it. And if Absolutely. you're really sarcastic like like I am, you have to bite your tongue, right? You have to sleep on it, which is not instinctual. It's something you have to learn to be a good partner in a room. And a lot of times you have to remember, too, that being sarcastic, going for the joke, those kind of things, tried, you have to remember that when you do that, you may be trying to put yourself above someone, and that can reflect not just badly upon you, but it can reflect b- badly upon any, anyone in the room and your company or the company you're with. Absolutely. And And at the end of the day, we all know there's... There's always that one guy in your company that I really can't stand that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you can forget which ones he put on the board and come back the next day and actually give him a shot, he might have the best idea in the company. Yeah. You never yeah. know. Yeah. So, that's the thing. A lot of a lot of the opinions we have on people are like one chance meeting or encounter or, or he looks like some guy who wronged you in the past or, yeah. or some girl and you're like, F that person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, Kevin, thanks for calling in too. We really appreciate that. We'll check out that documentary. Make sure to, uh, to dial back in next time. You got a great thought and we'll follow you in the comment section as well, man. Take so, it easy. So Nathan, what do you, what do you think is the, 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 the most common thing, theme of a good culture, the, the common trait that anyone can see is basically when you walk right in on the service, when in you walk into an office, any office, any sales floor, any business, and you look around, are people happy? Mm-hmm. Are they? Do they have headphones in? 
are they looking at their computer and no one else? Are they in, are they engaged? Are they helping other people? Oh, uh, let me tell you a story. So I went to a job <laughs> interview at a place. It was like the Stepford Company, and I won't name this company, but they they sold uh, they sold trucking freight, and they, it was fun. They made you take the Wonderlick to get to take this job. Uh, mm-hmm. We do that. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, the, like, the what? It's called a Wonderlick. It's Wonderlick. about eighty questions. You know what the Wonderlick is? Oh, the the like personality. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. yeah, I got you. No, no, no. It's it's a, it's like a they give it to draft picks. It's actually it's a test draft picks take. Okay. At the combine. Oh, okay. It actually works. It doesn't. Yes. Oh, very good. Oh, I, I took it. I, I may have done. I don't know. I did really well on the Wonderlick test, and I go in, and it was what what weirded me out about the place was like, I, it, and this is in Boston. People are kind of we're just not that friendly, especially to strangers. Well, everyone in this company was like coming up to and being like. Like looking at your, you know, when people's at a conference and they just weird you out by turning their head yeah. sideways, looking mm-hmm. at your name. T- they're doing that thing, like, oh, hi, Tim. Hey, like shaking my hand and stuff. And I'm like, you're the number one draft pick. This was just weird. It was weird, man. Like, uh, it's like the firm. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone was really nice. You know, they're going to buy his car. And, and basically, the, the old movie, the Tom Cruise and law firm, John Grisham. Uh, and, and basically, they turned out to be accountants for the, the, the mob. Absolutely. We do a thing called one score, which is basically the same thing. And uh, we have a basically a threshold. If you apply with us, you're going to go through this process and answer the questions. And and we know we, we have a set limit on a number yeah. before we bring you in. Well, they had this place, too. So they were, they take you around. They The first thing they do is they show you the ping pong table. They show you the free um, Sour Patch uh, watermelon, the, you know, the free cereal, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And they kind of take you like just briefly where you would where you would be working. And it and it's making just a ton of cold calls to see if people want their trucking service. And then when everyone makes a call, they have to go up and they have to hit a gong. I don't know, it was call? just weird. It was weird. Every, every time they, they not not call. No, that would be really loud. No, that like <laughs> yes, that would be just like not ding 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 ding. Which is like a cartoon. You'd just be bouncing through the room. Now every time you're supposed to make a sale, you're supposed to whack this gong. Yeah, we have a bell. Yeah, yeah. You know, every I think every like the car dealership when you buy the car. Well, yeah. no, if you if you have a big winner revenue wise, mm-hmm. um, or you land a new customer, that should be celebrated. That's part of culture. Yeah, yeah. We we had a bell in in the freight brokers was that that you know I think if you made a thousand dollars in margin or maybe five hundred, sure. you, you get up and and you ring the bell. ours is a thousand. Yeah, absolutely a thousand. Ring the bell, Johnny. Ring the bell. Victor Lewis says freight is a lifestyle. Culture needs to reflect that. I wonder what what, what do you interpret that to mean? Freight is a lifestyle. Do you are you an are you an eight to five person? Do you take your cell phone home? Um, does everyone call? Do your customers call your cell phone or do they call your desk phone? Yeah. If it's a, if it's a lifestyle for you, they're calling your cell phone. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to say that that people call you after hours and freight? I want them to. Yeah, I know. I know. If they call me after hours, I know they're desperate. Yeah, <laughs> all I see is dollar signs. Yeah, I know, right? It's I like mean, on the weekends. I'll move your freight, but I cost more. Uh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean, I you would think getting into media would make your life easier, but I work six days a week, and right. <laughs> I can't get away from my cell phone. Sure. And when I'm yeah. not doing this stuff, I mean, we we practice what we preach that we are on social media, mm-hmm. connecting with people. Not just promoting our own brands, finding out what's in the news, finding out what's going on with other people. Yeah. Like our job is basically to know what's happening with other people in our industry. Companies to me are interesting, but people are a lot more interesting than the companies themselves. In the freight business, it's crazy, especially in the Chattanooga market that we're in. Um, all the people that move freight. Um, short story: There's a gentleman at a plastic company that was in my wedding. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what he did. I knew we were good friends, and I knew I needed a spot filled in my wedding, and that was the guy. Oh, here's yep. someone we can listen to, Joseph and- DeLucy. He's the director of logistics at Target. That Ooh. gets him in the door, right? Yeah. He says, oh, yeah. We only, he's talking about the Wonderlick. He says, we only know if that works if we can show the individuals who score low, poor, perfor- low have poor performances. If we only hire high scoring, we have no idea if it's actually effective or just a corollary of only hiring high scoring people because not all the high scoring people you hire are going to pan out, right? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. That's why he's a director of logistics at Target. I know, no, that's right? great. Just because you have a high score doesn't mean you'll fit into the culture. No. Right? Culture is everything. And, and so is it, there a score on the winner look that, that yes. you really are in tune for to see if they are a good fit? Not if they're sharp or they have many problems, but whether they will fit in. If it's over a 60, we're, we're going to talk. Okay. Okay, we're gonna. We're you're at least gonna come in, and we're gonna talk. Now, does the wonder like is that just a score, or does one, it break it down to, to different personality it's, types? It's or? zero to a hundred. There's four sections, and mm-hmm. it comes out with a total score. What are the four sections? Um, I don't know off the top of okay. my head. Um, I, I try and stay out of the HR stuff. What's the wedding? <laughs> what's the wedding story? Oh, so the wedding story is I literally this guy comes. He's in my wedding. I'm friends with him. 
you know, we have beers on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I hang out with him all the time. Comes out in the boat with me and stuff. We're good friends. His wife and my wife are extremely close. Um, I finally asked him what he did. He's like, oh, I'm over logistics for this big plastic company. And I was there like, so you move freight? And he was like, to be honest, I really just sat here and I wanted to see how long it would be before you <laughs> asked me what I did because I knew you would ask me. Yeah. Uh, so it is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's outside. It, are people, if you, if I give you a Tranco shirt and you work for Tranco and you go out with your friends on the weekend, are you going to wear that t-shirt out? Or are you going to wear just a random shirt? If that shirt's yeah. provided for me, I'm going to wear it if I like the company I'm working for. Oh, yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I don't like the company I'm working for, thanks. I'm not going to wear it. Yeah, exactly right. Oh yeah. No, I wear my, I wear my Freightways gear. Oh yeah. Out. I'm in Publix walking in that. Yeah. And that's actually my dad. His, so my, my parents are in uh, Orlando for, you know, Northeastern snowbirds. So they're down yeah. in, in Florida. And my dad was walking uh, through some like reptile sanctuary with a what the truck shirt. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. some guy like yelled out. And I'm like, hey, I know that that's the podcast I listen to. <laughs> and, uh, so at least to my dad now, I'm, I'm famous. So yeah, my yeah, wife, I, uh, I came down here for the uh, launch of the sonar. Oh, and, yeah. And I got the long sleeve baseball looking shirt. Mm-hmm. It's my wife's favorite shirt. Oh, nice. Literally loves it. Very so cool. She wears more freight wave stuff than Tranko stuff. Nice. <laughs> Guys, let's bring up the, the survey. This is when That's we cool. reach yeah, out yeah. every single week. We reach out to the audience. We send out a survey. Kevin puts it together. We distribute it on our social networks. We send it out there. Uh, again, we had more than 100 people get back to us on this one. So each answer is at least 1%. This was on yeah. sales culture. Slide number one, company culture and performance ratings. Five was the highest on here. And this is where if you took the survey, you could choose from a bunch of different ones. Mm-hmm. And this weighted it out. The top one there was for company culture and performance. What people are judged on was service to your shippers was number one. Number two is corporate ethics towards customers, uh, work-life balance, corporate culture, selling value versus price. And then it kind of dwindles down from there with sales contests to increase competition being the lowest. Uh, Any takeaways you guys have from this particular sales one? How did you feel about how the results came out? They're pretty in line. Um, At the end of the day, as a broker, in, in the freight business, you're, you're your own business while you work for a different company who has your name, you're, you're representing yourself, you know, yeah, in, a, you, in a cradle to grave model. That's the difference. It is. Um, yeah. You, you basically own your own business, right? Basically, so you run your own book of business. Sure. So yeah. whatever you want to talk about culture wise, if the customer's not happy, it ain't working. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the, like the wonder look for, uh, company performance absolutely that we just did absolutely. yeah tyler miller he jumped into just for people who aren't familiar with wonderlick i, I kind of made go. an assumption there right so wonderlick is a test that's divided into four different sections cognitive skill personality and behavioral so okay it's a test that people take too and they take it in the nfl draft as well and you'll see what i think uh was it like james winston who had like an eight yeah yeah <laughs> was, yeah yeah he had the worst worst ever score i think they gave him a free thing of crab legs yes he did uh well no he just stole them yeah right all right um sales contests so sales contests are something we're going to see when we get to each one of these slides are, are something that uh, most companies that so far gamification sales contests not really valued do you think that they're valuable sales contests are good we have a big one going on right now uh, it's a very long one um mm-hmm. but it also has to be driven it can't just be top sales it yeah. needs to be new revenue mm-hmm. um I, I preach daily what I call stagnant revenue. Stagnant revenue keeps you where you're at. New revenue yeah. makes a company. Mm-hmm. And and so it's if you have contests promoting the new revenue, that's how you start building on things. I like it is too, because it gives you, instead of trying to beat your own number or your own score all the time, it does build a little bit of community. Even if you just want to beat the guy next to you in the sales yeah, department, it, it creates like... It's almost like the fantasy football league. It allow you know you you it gives you a funny mm-hmm. reason to haggle them to 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 needle them to yeah, sure to go at them and to feel to beat them in in something right. And if you always do it over overall sales, you guys have both been in this man. There's always the one guy at the company that gets handed everything, yeah. and he's gonna win it. Just yeah, you know, yeah. just give it to him. Now nobody likes meetings. Uh, uh, our second mm. question on there was frequency of sales meetings. Nobody likes meetings, but in sales, they can be pretty important, especially if you're being uh, KPI'd on a new lane that you guys are doing, especially if new products come out. If uh, t- A lot of companies don't have, we talk about culture, they don't really, their marketing and their sales and their leadership and their operations never align. They're completely siloed out, just like the information. And you talk about freight as a lifestyle, just like information and freight is still siloed out way too often throughout the company. So are the actual divisions, the selling and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. 
But meetings don't always bring that stuff together because meetings have to have values. But this question was just on how frequent meetings are. The number one, the, well, the top one that nobody had, top being zero, zero percent had multiple per day. So that's and then good. this is sales meetings. Yes, nobody has a, nobody has zero, nobody has multiple per day. So that is good. The number one was weekly, right? So more than thirty percent had weekly. Me a little bit. That's a lot. Every, every place I, that, well, every place I, I've been, we had basically daily sales meetings. Oh, you did? Yeah. I think that's changing a lot. That's a is lot. It? It's changing a lot. That's What's a your time frequency? Soak. Well, we meet with each broker um, once a month mm-hmm. at the at the beginning of each month. Look where we're at, where we yeah. were, what our goals are. Um, you know, top five clients. What are we looking at? How can we help? Do we have an outside salesperson that can go help? Um, daily gets repetitive. Yeah. At the end of the day, You've, y'all have said yourself, you know, and I've heard it in this podcast multiple times. We're all a number. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows what their number is. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have like group meetings? Or? We do group meetings and they're pod based. Oh, okay. um, so, so you could call them groups. You're not going to see your beard grow if you look in the mirror six times a day. Like it's just no. not or your or your hair grow or anything sure. or the or the grass. Sure. You got to. Well, it's like getting that sales report from the outside sales guy. Hey, you went and saw these people last week. What's changed? Yeah, Daly yeah. seems a little micromanaging. Uh, as Jamin, Jamin says, he says he's never gotten a commission check in a sales meeting, right? <laughs> Don't happen. Uh, weekly was big on there. When I was doing sales, I had monthly and quarterly. I thought quarterly was definitely not enough. Um, I think monthly is almost not enough either. I think that weekly is pretty good, allows you to touch base, allows you to feel tethered. I feel like mm-hmm. when you start getting monthly, the culture starts to become like, well, I'm not accountable for him, and I'm not accountable for him, especially on the management side. And then you have... That's just sort of really poor management where you're not being proactive and you're not getting that recognition. And a lot of things are just falling through the cracks. Then what happens is your number comes up. People go in Salesforce. They pull your numbers for yeah. for the month or for the quarter. And they go, well, what happened? Right. Yeah. Well, what happened Absolutely. to you? Like his boss should ask him, well, what happened to your sales guys? Why was nothing happening during that time to help correct this person? Right. And it's it's and, and that goes all back to culture. Mm-hmm. It, it all ties in. I mean, it, if you got a guy that literally is not performing. And you've not done anything to help him. How are you, why are you even managing the guy? True. I mean, and, and, and basically, if if you have infrequent meetings, I mean, basically, we know that filling a funnel is about a sixty day process. And if you're thirty days behind, then that's an, another compound. And the, and the meetings need to be as public as they can. The closed door mm-hmm. meetings just create controversy. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yes. Number three was how would you describe your company sales management style? And it seems like a lot of people are not getting that. Uh, that managing because over 60% mm. said they have a freedom to develop their own sales style, which could go a lot of ways. I, now, that can, can be a yeah. good thing, but it's probably not the best thing. It's probably not. You, <laughs> you have to follow some kind of process and uh, consistency, don't you think? I got one of my guys commenting on my Nike pullover. We oh, have the same exact yeah. one at work. Said, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Daniel, De, what is that, DeCampo? Dio Campo. He's, yeah. um, if you want a true sales example in Chattanooga, that's your guy. Yeah. So then the next one was really curious because you had extensive coaching and little coaching. And I think that so 20 percent of our listeners must be managers who put extensive coaching. Uh, 20 percent must be those sales guys who are getting very little, uh, very little coaching. I I would agree with that analysis. (laughs) I think that I think when it comes to coaching in, in the brokerage and freight sales world, there's two ways to look at it. There's some brokerages that are hiring 50 people at a time, giving them a four hour training class and then throwing them out and seeing what sticks. Yeah, no, I, I've been a student of the three yeah. three three day training course from someone who'd never moved freight before, so it, it gets a little rough. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it is like being thrown out the, to the deep end of the pool. Then on the other side, there's that guy that says, "Hey, I want you to sit with me for three months." Well, mm-hmm. man, you got to start producing revenue. A little quicker yeah, than that. yeah, exactly right. And here was that question about gamification. Now, often this is actually slide five. How often are sales contests or gamification used by your company? or office to boost sales, rarely was top on there, never, sometimes, usually, always was the lowest, right? So a lot of people haven't caught on to the gamification thing. A lot of CRMs are starting to add gamification, though. Yeah, and this goes with uh, sales contests, too. So I, I guess rarely people have sales. I always always like sales contests. Yeah, Except it, for, you know, you know the, the first place is a Cadillac, second place is steak knives, third place is you're fired. I'm yeah. not a big fan of that That's one. That's not the great contest. It, it, it's not. Every, everybody should have sales contests. If I'm selling cars for Ford mm-hmm. and they're having a contest on focuses and I got a guy that wants a limited expedition, he's at least going to touch and see a, fo- a focus before I take him over there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just how you grow. Yeah. 
Now, you can check out all the results from the survey tomorrow on our infographic. Uh, the great Emily Ricks will put that together for you guys. Go to FreightWaves.com. Kevin and I will share it on social. Follow us at Timothy Dooner. Follow him at Kevin Hill. Um, Nathan will probably share it as well. So look him up, Nathan yes, Frazier. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about ping pong tables really quick before we let mm. you go. So you, oh yeah, what's your opinion? Uh, ping pong is an arcade. Um, if the best thing I like about ping pong tables is if someone comes in in their first two weeks and they're playing, I know they're probably not going to make it. Um, I understand their stress. I understand it's stress relief. Uh, I'm okay with having one. We have one. We have a pool table. We have ping pong. We have all that stuff, but it's not on the sales floor. Um, it's, it's away from the sales floor. What if they're talking sales strategy as they play ping pong? I'm okay with that as long as they're, but <laughs> I mean, I, I would do that. Sure. They're nice to have a customer wants to come play with you too. True. And you know? they are, you know, so what here's you- what, so my point on the debate, my counterpoint would be that they can be good canaries in the cold mine. So if you're in a place that has a bad sales team and people are always playing ping pong, that's a very bad sign. But if you're in a place with a successful team that's actually using these arcades, these putting greens, these ping pong things, that is probably an amazing culture and people are using these tools as they're intended. A lot of times you go in a place and those things are ghost towns though. And that to me is a warning sign. Right. Because that means that nobody here is this, nobody here in this company, there's a culture of not winning. Nobody here is doing well enough to actually use these assets that are out on the floor. We've all been through those companies. We've all seen those things. And you get, if you get a check it for dust. Next time you go to a job interview, bring your little white <laughs> glove and check that ping pong tail for dust. If it's dusty, no, 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 no. Don't take that. I, I as much as I, I'm I, like I said, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, you I think that's <laughs> you haven't changed my mind. Yeah, but I, but I'm starting to feel what you're saying. I, I like that. Nathan, how do people reach out and learn more? Uh, just uh, Nathan Frazier CTB. Yeah. Certified transportation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. CTV. No. Um, on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So Nathan Frazier Just on LinkedIn. Search Tranco. Search Nathan Frazier. Um, find me anywhere. I'll search help any way I can. You, Thank you, you for joining us our today. Post, so yeah. yeah. I'll help any way I can. I love this podcast. Glad to be a part of it, guys. Thank you for joining Great. us Thanks, today. Dad. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks, Thank you. man. Yeah. Appreciate it. So let's get to some shout outs now. Let's let's yeah. give it back to the listeners. Uh Shout out number one was to Nathan, who yeah, I think last definitely. week, I think almost every show we've we've given a shout out to yeah, him because he's uh He's written into the the comments, but let's start here. Let's go with Brian Asher. He said, love listening to your insight on Put That Coffee Down. He'd love to connect with us, and we did. Brian Asher is the vice president at Cat Global, and I believe he left a comment in here today. Chris Seeds, he said, "Um, great cold calling content. Go back if you guys want a little bit more motivation on cold calling, right? Definitely, yeah. There's no better way to know, uh, to, to, to get motivation for cold calling if you know the psychology behind it and you put that out of your mind, you'll get better. Go do the cold calls, right? Go do that. If you're having a tough time, but you've put the work in, you've done your two, three hours of cold calling, you're having a tough time, take your buddy, take take a mentor, go and play a little ping pong. Ping pong, yeah, definitely. Go, go and have a little ping pong. Yeah. Maybe not in your yeah. first two weeks yeah. if you're working with, uh, true. with Nathan, but go and play a hey, little ping pong. You know pong. what? A, a good place to uh, to role play where one, one person's prospect, the other person's salesperson is at the ping pong table as you're hitting balls around. Yes. Lucas Britton, he writes, first time viewer and a newbie in the sales role. Love the podcast and I look forward to seeing more. Very helpful information. Uh, Richard, Robert Stinson, great podcast. Thought we could connect. And this is what we encourage you. Timothy Dooner, that's D-O-O-N-E-R on LinkedIn. Uh, Kevin Hill. Kevin Hill on LinkedIn. Uh, Please connect with us. We're always looking for more connections and growing our network. So don't be embarrassed. Don't, Don't be shy. Connect with us. We're giving away a book. Let's put that out there real soon. So yeah. Greg Roberts won our last book. Greg Roberts, Director of Business Development and Matson Logistics. He said he'd love to be in the raffle. Ha ha. He's almost laughing off that he couldn't win. Well, is that easy? He, he I got know, in he there. won. He was one of uh, many people who were in there, and we did a random number draw, and yeah. his number came up. Yes. And so this week, we're going to raffle off Go Give or Sell More. Okay. So it's a book I read uh, about three years ago. It's nice and short, about 180 pages, and it really goes through... Um, <clears throat> how to add value, how to focus on adding value at every step, every contact. And basically, that's, uh, that, that's how you sell more. And basically, one of the equations that I always, I always uh, look at is that your compensation is based on how much value you give times the number of people that you're in contact with. Awesome. So if you multiply those, that's success in life. I, I could agree with that. Yeah. So here, so start your contact now, starting between now and next Wednesday. Wednesday mornings, we do the draw. So by Tuesday night, you kind of want to be in. 
Leave a comment here or contact on social media. Yeah, you, can get, you can get me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. You can get us on LinkedIn. You can just message us, say, I want to be in the raffle for the yeah. book. We'll throw you. It doesn't cost anything. We even pay for the postage. Yes. We'll get that out to you. Um, Justin Smith, he's freight broker at uh, Instaco Logistics. He said he's new to freight. He's a new listener, and he's looking forward to learning more. I love these messages. I love the new listeners saying, yes. wow, this is what they needed. They're probably at that place. They're probably the ones there, that 15% that aren't getting the coaching. Right? They are, yes. And uh, happy even if you're getting the coaching, you can never get too much information about sales. Knowledge is power. Well, then there's the awesome managers. We get tons of managers, directors of business development have reached out to and said they've shared it with their teams. That's why we're doing it, guys. So yes. you can scale this information. You can deploy it. This is why it's not a webinar. This is why it's a free podcast, free video. Uh, you share with anybody on the globe, on your global sales I, team, I, your local sales team, your sales floor, feel free. On your globe, if you're like most sales managers, it's hard to get your sales guys and girls to actually read a book. Yeah. So just listen to a podcast. Matthew O'Brien, he said he really enjoys the show. He's new to freight sales, and this podcast has been a godsend. It's been tremendously helpful. Jonathan Ensign, he was a vice president of Cargo Bar, and he put that insight in about culture. Yes. That's the thing I love, too. When people start following the show, they start giving a lot of information because, again, there's only a little bit of our voice in here. The rest of the voice is all the people who love to be a part of this show and are helping the rest of the community in freight. Freight has the greatest community in the world. Whenever... There's layoffs. When we cover layoffs all the time here at Freightways, people stand up and help each other get jobs. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, but Jonathan Ensign said he loves it, too. He likes the rapport. He loves giving the information. Lisa Diaz, she says she loves the podcast. She's with greatness. Paul Baggett, thanks. He's, he gave the connection out there. Uh, Sandeep Chow and great work. He's really enjoying the show. Jordan Strong, he wanted to thank us both. He was listening. He forced his 13-year-old to listen to it. Yes. He was driving. I, I apologize to your 13-year-old, especially if he's listening to us again, but there's uh, there's a lot to learn in life from sales, so impart that on him. Yes, there is. Seth Nelson, he said, thanks for the advice and the info. He loves the show. Uh, John A. Coach, he he was following today yes, right along yes. with us. Jordan Strong as well. He said he's been he's listening to the show. He wants to stand out in the crowd. Uh, great stuff. It is great stuff. A lot of it's still more pages to go. Matt Wanty, yes, as <laughs> he says, uh, thanks for connecting. He, he he's been he spent seven years in logistics. He's now in tech and in training, and he sees a lot of value in this. Victor Lewis, great show. I have it playing on the sales floor. Sales yeah, floor, yeah, man, crank is the perfect it up, place Victor. to put it. Uh, Catherine Lewandowski, she says she wants to be included for the book. Jim nice. Campbell said. Um, He's in a cradle-to-the-grave model. How much training is needed before putting someone on the phone hustling a customer? Oh, interesting. How how much? I, you know, it depends on the per person, but I'd say probably a month or six weeks. Yeah. You know, you, you have to, to go out there and, and do it at some point. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean you don't want them to give a, a, a poor message or be wrong mm -hmm. about your company, but at the same time, you got to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Yeah. you you got you to swim. And look, sales... Here's the thing. If you hire someone, and especially if you know they have no sales experience, have realistic expectations. Don't expect them to be uh, to, to ABC right out the gate. You have to understand. You have to some maturation process going mm -hmm. on there. Yeah. You know, it takes years of experience, and basically you just get better each day. But, yeah, six to eight weeks on the phone covering trucks, and uh, you should be able to, to talk to customers. Chris Seeds, what do you think of this? 2060-20 meeting, 20% of that time spent with top and bottom performers, 60% spent with those you can push over the edge uh, to the top 20%. Yeah, I agree with that because you ha always have the Pareto rule in no matter what you do, especially in sales where the top 20% of reps generate 80% of the revenue and those other 80% only generate 20%. So you have to, uh, to, to figure out who is in which bucket. What do you think of this pitch? Real quick, rate the pitch. Uh, financial advisor contacted me on there. He saw that, and this will happen on LinkedIn. If you, if you switch jobs, I just switched to uh, a minor thing in my role. Yeah. It said, I just wanted to drop you a note to say, thanks for connecting that. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch. I didn't actually connect. He connected with, me. Oh, I guess that's what he means. By the way, it looks like you've recently changed jobs. Congratulations. How you're liking your new position best. I like it. I, I like the yeah. question at the end, yeah. right? A non, non sales question, just a getting to know you question, uh, open ended. Good stuff, which, right? Which, which just makes the, the person on the other side just compelled to take an action to say, oh, yeah, it's going great. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, Another Continue one went the for the ego. This other life coach, she said, yeah. I wanted to reach out to you because we have been connected on LinkedIn for some time. I'm interested in getting to know more about you. 
Fair enough, right? That's very good. My passion is helping senior leaders who, despite being very successful at the top of their game, feel unfulfilled and have lost their passion for their work. Can you relate to this? A little manipulative, though. It is. It is. But you know what? You, you try to do what you do. I, I got one this morning, uh, a DM for, on LinkedIn saying that, uh, that the person had gone through my website and knew I was a perfect fit and wanted to know uh, what type of freight I moved. Andrew Moreno, he says he wants to be in the raffle. You are included. Jim Campbell says, great show, guys. So does Ben Clappenor. Ben Clappenor has been a guest on here. Emily Zing says she loves the show. Well, that's good because she (laughs) runs the network. So thank you, Emily. Thank you for everyone who joined us today. By the way, coming up next is Freightonomics with... uh, with Anthony, Anthony Smith. Smith, and I believe, is Zach back? I, I think he is. Zach Strickland's around here somewhere. Zach Strickland's back. These guys, Zach Strickland has been in pricing and in brokerage for years, so if you guys are doing that now, listen to them. You'll have some great talking yes. points. And you know what? Here's the thing. When us, you, you, this is going to help motivate you in sales. You listen to the other shows, so then you yeah. can call up your customer and say, hey, I was listening to Freightonomics. I saw Zach or, or these people from FreightWave say this really smart thing yes. about what disruption could happen from whatever it is, the coronavirus, yeah. whatever it can be. What the markets are doing right now. Yeah. Big themes. Big, Big themes, themes in the economic world. You can use that to uh, to add value to your customers. Podcast players everywhere. You can subscribe to this. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Subscribe to Put That Coffee Down or Freightcast. You'll get his show, Great Quarter, guys. you get my other shows like What the Truck, Freightwaves Insiders tomorrow with that lovely Emily Zink. We're going to be doing it live, man. Talking about nice. breaking the glass ceiling at 30 frames per second. TV reference. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Continue the conversation with us offline at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R, Kevin Hill. Kevin Hill. Boom. Done. Now go sell something, right? Yes. Pick up the phone and make some calls. Or help somebody sell something. If you can't sell something, help somebody sell it. Help somebody. Great advice. Great advice. Great advice from the Dooner. Because you know what? If you help them, they're going to help you. Exactly right. And that's good culture. It is. Reciprocity. don't, Don't put the knife in.